0: You are listening to "You Are a Lawyer." I'm Kyla DeNagio, a 2015 law school graduate. This episode is brought to you by me. <laughs> Seriously, I'm selling merchandise at shopyouarealawyer.com. That's where you can find water bottles, long and short sleeve t-shirts, and everything you need to support the "You Are a Lawyer" podcast. So support your favorite lawyers, favorite podcaster, and visit shopyouarealawyer.com to grab some merchandise. In episode 60, I am speaking with a life coach and lawyer. This guest helps people identify their core strengths so that they can create a life they don't want to run away from. Based in San Diego, California, today's guest is Megan Smiley. So welcome to the podcast, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted Um, to be here. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So would you tell the audience a little bit about you and your background? Sure.
1: So I am an ex-lawyer. I went to law school, probably with not as good of an idea of why I was going to law mm-hmm. school as I, I should have had. And I sort of got caught up in the standard, oh, okay, we're all applying to, to big law jobs, even though I didn't really go in thinking I wanted to do that. But I got swept up in sort of the uh, the sea of that being the thing to do and ended up doing corporate law at a, mm-hmm. at a big firm in Boston for four years. And unsurprisingly to me, I didn't like it because <laughs> okay. it wasn't really what I ever intended. I, I don't even know what I intended. That was the problem. But practicing corporate law at a big firm was not it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at that point, I sort of started, you know, just looking around, talking to people, figuring out what my next step would be. And I ended up going back and getting a master's in higher education administration. And my intention was to work in international studies at a law school. I had studied abroad, both in undergrad, but also in law school and taken a lot of international law classes. So that kind of interested me. And it seemed like a way to, you know, not totally abandon all the time and money that I spent on my law degree (laughs) while doing something that interested me more. And it did. I sort of was very lucky and I got sort of exactly the kind of job that I wanted and I was the director of international programs at Fordham Law School for 9 years. Okay. Yeah, but along that timeline probably sort of halfway through my time there, I had loved it. I was working with people from all over the world. Sort of the schedule was truly 9 to 5, lots of vacation. So, you know, coming out of big law, it was such a nice breather but after that I started to realize I'm just doing the same things over and over again and I just sort of my life flashed in front of me and I just thought is this just every day of the rest of my life yeah I'm like, like is entire? this there yeah you know, I talked to a lot of people who have left the practice of law, but that moment for me at the law school was more of an existential crisis than leaving the practice of law mm. itself. I was pushing 40 and just really kind of like, what am I going to do with my life if this isn't it? I thought I had already made a big switch. I thought it was kind of the end of the line and realizing mm. it wasn't really freaked me out. <laughs> and at that point, I just was so lost because every other obvious step that I looked at sounded boring or unpleasant to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I just, I had a good job. I just realized I didn't want a job, okay, (laughs) a traditional job. So, you know, I went back and did sort of the core work of what are my values? What are my natural strengths? What do I enjoy? And I started an interior design business on the side when I was still working there. And I had actually intended to take that full time, but the pandemic happened and all things got thrown up in the air. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, during this period, I'd started my own podcast talking to lawyers who'd left the law to do other things. And that started to take on a life of its own, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. (laughs) And I ended up leaning into that and becoming a coach for lawyers who want to leave the law and specifically want to leave the law to start their own business. Mm. So that's sort of the long and short of where I started and
0: where I am now. Yeah. And would you share the name of your podcast with everyone? Oh, sure. It's the lawyer's escape pod. The lawyer's escape pod. Okay. So nine years feel so random to me, right? Like it wasn't quite a decade. <laughs> Why were you there for nine years or what happened where you were like, okay, something else? Yeah. So I, I think it was partially
1: that 10 years and me turning 40 were like right around the same mark. Okay. and. So I would say probably even a few years before I actually left, I started exploring doing other things. And I said this to colleagues of mine who they kind of knew where, where I stood at Fordham. Like, if I'm here at my 10-year anniversary, something has gone wrong. Mm. <laughs> Kick me out the door at that point. Yeah, but I just but that's knew good, though. I needed something else. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. You had other people that you told so they could hold you accountable to be like, why are you yeah. still
1: here? What's going on? Yeah, here? exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You know, I had applied to the Foreign Service and I had
1: applied to some other jobs and I had applied to a startup and I started taking classes like photography classes, interior design classes. I was sort of throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall trying to figure Mm. out what my next step would be. So it was sort of in my awareness for a while that I wasn't going to be there forever. I just was trying to figure out what the actual exit plan was. Um, Because we all went remote for so long, I ended up working at Fordham through the end of 2020. My husband and I decided to move from New York to San Diego because his work was going remote. And I had this idea of moving
0: into coaching. And you were a corporate lawyer for four years before? then? Okay. So corporate law, I think is a really fun thing to say because no one really knows what it is. (laughs) What were you doing in corporate law? Were you doing mergers and acquisitions? Were you doing corporate leases? You know?
1: Yeah. I did some mergers and acquisitions work. A large part of what my practice ended up being was securities. So if, you know, all public companies have to file regular submissions with the SEC. And if, a company wanted to come out and do a debt or a, an equity offering, there's all this paperwork behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I spent a lot of my time doing. It was very random that I ended up doing that kind of work.
0: Yeah. I mean, I took a secure transactions course in law school, but I still, I wouldn't want to do that every day. And that still sounds a lot different than what you did, right? Yeah. You know,
1: I went in thinking I was going to do
0: litigation because that's what a lot of
1: lawyers come out of law school thinking they're going to do. When I was in law school, it was pretty litigation heavy. Okay. And my firm allowed us to do projects in the different departments before we chose which one to go into, which was a really big gift because I think I realized I was better suited for transactional work than I was for litigation. Yeah. So at least in, as far as that, I think I jumped to as good of a practice area as I could have for mm-hmm. myself.
0: Yeah. And I love that you stayed in it for four years. That's enough time for you to see, okay, am I just quitting or do I really not like this? Yeah. I was coming to that
1: point where you had to sort of shift your focus from being a junior associate to looking forward to, okay, I'm becoming more of a senior. Am I going for partner? What Mm -hmm. is my plan? And it was at that point that I was really looking at the people ahead of me on the road and thinking that's not what I want. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
0: And you went to undergrad at Colby? Yeah, Colby in Maine. Okay. And there you studied international studies in French. Yep. Then you studied abroad, you said, when you were in undergrad and also while you were in law school at Boston College Law Mm -hmm. School. So where did you go when you were studying abroad? So in undergrad, I went to Paris because I was
1: a French major. Mm -hmm. And in law school, I went to London. Boston College at the time had a set program where they would take a group of students from BC Law and we took classes at King's College, but also there was a BC Law professor with us there. So having now worked in study abroad in a law school, the model that I worked with was different than that, but it was fun. You got to sort of drop yourself into London for a semester of law school, so... Yeah. That probably should have given me a sign that I was all about not doing the traditional stuff in law school.
0: <laughs> yeah. That goes to show how things can just change, right? Because yeah. you left all of those non traditional things while you were in law school and then worked in a pretty traditional role. So, yeah, exactly. I think it's also a
1: sign of the power of sort of group think and particularly in law school. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people that end up in jobs. They wouldn't have articulated that they wanted because they paid a lot or they thought it was sort of, quote unquote, the most successful thing that they could do. So I think I was, I was part of that, that phenomenon. Yeah.
0: So the reason I was asking that about your studying abroad and everything was because you've traveled to 58 countries. I have. Yes. When did you find time for that? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, it's always been a passion of mine and I've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to travel a lot of places. But, you know, even when I was practicing at the law firm, technically we had four weeks of vacation. I took it all. (laughs) Okay. I was traveling and I think people were a little like amused that not every, not all of the junior associates were taking four weeks of vacation. Yeah. But there was some part of me that's like, well, if I make my hours and you say I have this vacation, I'm going to take it. (laughs) So yeah. um, So I I traveled a lot of pretty cool places, um, especially when I was, you know, getting paid a lawyer's salary. That was nice. And when I left the law firm, I traveled that summer before going back to school. And then when I was working at Fordham, I had a good amount of vacation time, but also part of my job was creating partnerships with foreign universities. So I actually mm. got to travel a bit as part of that job.
0: Okay, that yeah. sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of really great things about that job.
0: So I know all countries are different and their cultures are different, but do you have any favorite places where you've traveled?
1: Yes. It's always such a hard question to answer because they are so different. Mm -hmm. France is always a place I go back to. I, I speak French. It's sort of the first country I went to. I have emotional connections to it. So France is always sort of has a particular place in my heart. Okay. But a couple of the other places I've gone that have just really blown my mind. I went to Tibet and that was really special traveling around and we went up to the base of Mount Everest and spent a night there. It was just breathtaking. And another of my favorite places is South Africa. It's just okay absolutely gorgeous we did the safari thing but then we went to cape town which is just like so gorgeous Mm -hmm. um went up the coast and there's wine country and i rode an ostrich which was oh wow (laughs) so yeah i would say you know those are a couple of the highlights of places i've been okay
0: yeah i've been to cuba and that's it (laughs) oh i'd love to go that's on my list (laughs) Yeah, I went in 2017 and I went with a good buddy of mine who travels like to four different countries every year. Yeah, And she said it was even a shock for her. And I mean, between having no Wi-Fi, no credit cards, it was very extreme. So yeah. I need to go somewhere else. I need to try London. Like a level 10
1: difficulty
0: exactly. starting place. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. start with extreme and then I'll work yeah. my way down. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You'll find Europe to be a breeze. <laughs> Um, so before we get into your coaching and a little bit more about your podcast, I want to mention this in your biography, you said you had to go through deprogramming from the legal world. And now you are fiercely committed to creating a space for fun and joy in your life and not just work. Yeah. Was that part of the almost 40 transition or has that happened? You know, as recently as just this year.
1: Really, if I trace it back, that's my entire sort of okay. leaving of the law, but it's become really crystallized in the last few years. Yeah. I think when you go to law school, I was surrounded by lawyers all day. Mm-hmm. And we're taught to think a kind of way. We are taught to see all of the possible risks, and I think builds a risk averse mentality in people. I also my experience was the legal field can be kind of snooty when it comes to like what is being successful in a career and it's all very traditional like go to a firm work your way up become a partner make lots of money
0: yeah Um,
1: and I think part of my journey was reframing things to say what does success actually mean to me how do i define that because that could be success for someone else but as i do my reflection that's not success for me yeah. and i think law teaches us that there are certain types of skills and natural tendencies that are valuable so to speak you know attention to detail and you know it's not bad but i have come to realize that We are all very individual and we have these special talents and strengths that might not have really been appreciated in the practice of law, but it doesn't mean that they're not valuable. It's just they weren't valued in the law. So, for example, like, I just think I have a positive attitude And I often felt like I was the sort of morale officer, both at the firm and at the law school. But, you know, when I was working at the firm, they would acknowledge that, but that's not valued in terms of like being paid. Right. They're like, oh, you're, you're, you're always a good time. You're very efficient, but those things didn't matter to them. It was just, you know, how many hours did you bill, you know? And, you know, there's also this experience of, you really have to, Think about what you wear being a lawyer. Think about mm-hmm. how you dress. It's like, you're not at all encouraged to express your uniqueness. <laughs> Outside that, of right?
0: your tie or yeah, like exactly. art in your office. That's it. Yeah.
1: Right. You know, and so that I found just very stifling and I love the uniqueness in people. I, that was one of the things I loved about New York is people have such personal style and are wearing, you know, very different things than I had been used to seeing at a, at a firm. particularly. Yeah in Boston so there's just this sense of like going from being a mold of something to being your fully expressed self that I was just craving
0: yeah Um, and I think that's a really good point because I've gone through that as well where I kind of remembered that I used to be this incredibly creative person and I thought that the podcast brought that out of me but since creating the podcast I have left big law and I've gone to work for a startup and it's like I'm craving creativity it's like I have to be surrounded By it. And somebody asked, what do you enjoy about being here? You're doing such a good job. And I was like, I come from a really formal, strict career background. And I really love the fact that what I have to say or what I have to offer is not dictated by the type of suit I'm wearing. And that's so anti me because I thrived in the formal career area as well. But it's almost like I feel like I have a balance. Okay. Yeah. Along with that deprogramming, now you are actually coaching others to ditch the grind and to find what makes them happy. How are you enjoying that? I love it. It's very much
1: the result of of years of self-reflection and trying to really ask myself, where are my natural strengths? What does success look like to me? So when I work with people, really want to honor the individual and go deep on what is your vision for your life? What does success look like for you? What are the things that you just naturally light up doing rather than the things that you just have been doing for Mm -hmm. however long? And maybe there are things you've been doing that you you enjoy and you want to bring that with you, but let's like kind of go back down to ground zero and really sort of let someone explore who they are outside of being a lawyer and lean into that you know creative side that sort of yin and yang and allow people to explore that you would think that there aren't a lot of people in the law that would describe themselves as creative. And I just Mm -hmm. think there are actually a huge number of people who are creative, Mm -hmm. but they pressed that down. It wasn't serving them. Like it just wasn't viewed as a valuable inclination in that context. And so really supporting people in embracing their whole self and all of the things that they enjoy and building a business around that. And it's just, I mean, I'm like a kid in a candy store. It's like, Mm -hmm. I just love
0: doing it. Yeah, it sounds like it. And your coaching company is Megan Smiley coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the name of the business? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you only work with lawyers or previous lawyers? I work with any
1: professional that is looking to sort of get out of their traditional career and transition into what I call heart-centered entrepreneurship. What I mean by that is just our starting point is we build the business around you as a unique individual, as opposed to starting with well, I, I did labor law. So maybe there's some sort of ERISA consulting business I could start, or what's the hole in the market with the sort of Silicon Valley approach. So, um, so it's, you know, it isn't something that uniquely applies to lawyers because, you know, I've had people reach out to me. I get a lot of nurses, I think quite a overlap of spending a lot of time and energy and you're, you know, putting a lot of your identity into that profession. So, Mm All that is to say it's not specific to lawyers, but just because of my own personal background, it is a lot of lawyers. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So did you start coaching people before you started the Lawyers Escape podcast or did you start them at the same time or what? I started the podcast well before I started coaching.
1: Um, I started the podcast in August of 2019, really just as a creative project for myself. I Mm -hmm. had no thought that it would become a part of my career per se. It was selfishly a little bit of an endeavor to just have a reason to pick people's brains about what else they were doing after practicing law, because I was sort of going through my own exploration. And so that's where the podcast started. But I think it was tapping into some things I sort of learned that I really naturally was drawn to and certain things that I was naturally good at. And so it sort of evolved into coaching around that. But I didn't initially think it would because to be honest, I thought of it career coaching and there was this, I I sort of had clarity of like, I don't really want to be a career coach, so to speak, that helps you get another job and looks at your resume. So it took me a while to see that there was another way that I could support people in transition that was better fit for me.
0: Yeah. Okay. So between the podcast and coaching and just doing your own thing, right? Everything you've learned about how there are a lot of creative people in the legal space and all of that. Is there anything that you would like to share with the audience? Any last words about the importance of finding your own path, the importance of getting down to ground zero and figuring out what really makes you happy? Yeah. You know, what I would say is,
1: I talk to a lot of people who are unhappy with where they are in their career and they're looking for a quick fix and sort of end up band-aiding things like I'm going to move from a big firm to a smaller firm hmm. um, and and it feels like it's sort of the logical approach to solving the problem but I actually think it's more efficient to go back down to the sort of studs on yourself in the first instance and really allow yourself to embrace who you are and what your interests are and what you're good at at this sort of very core level because when you do that that's how you tap into Into the work that you're actually going to find fulfilling in the long-term rather than just sort of a band-aid fix as you move through your career. So I know it's not necessarily like the automatic approach, especially of sort of analytical minded lawyers, but you know, it's what I think
0: gets you to real fulfillment the fastest. Yeah. And I know I said, that'd be the last question, but bonus question. (laughs) (laughs) what happens if lawyers keep putting on band-aids and don't fix it does that lead to burnout it leads to
1: burnout it leads to spending years of your life doing something that you wake up dreading every morning Mm. and you know just just to give some context of my why um i I lost my mom when i was 11 actually in france which was to pull it all back together part of my my connection to france but I have this kind of very deep-seated, you live once and you have to make the most of it. Yeah. And so I'm very drawn to being purposeful about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I want that for other people. I think the risk of band-aids is that you spend decades of your life band-aiding something and that's time you don't get back.
0: Yeah. And sorry to hear about your mom. Oh, sorry. That's a perfect answer. You know, why waste <laughs> time if you don't have to, right? How many yeah. years is it going to take with you not following your purpose before you finally wake up?
1: So yeah, that's yeah. that's
0: really good. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Megan. This was a blast. Oh yeah, this is so fun to be on the other side of a podcast. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, bye. Guys. All right, bye. bye. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating, tell a friend about this podcast and subscribe to the show so that you never miss a new episode new episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.